The Australian Open main draw starts Monday, that's Sunday evening on the sta- in the States, and ESPN's extensive first ball to last ball coverage returns, largely with those evening and overnight marathon telecasts that keep people up all night. Uh, there are cameras on every court, and each is available on the ESPN app between ESPN Plus and ESPN3. In addition, and new this year, this week, the entire qualifying event is on ESPN+. Plus. We are joined today by ESPN's own Chris Everett and John McEnroe. They are both in California getting a head start on the long trip down under. As always, we'll go around the room. We'll get to everybody, I'm sure, and I'll say who is up and who is on deck. And therefore, uh, to get started, first we'll start with Amy Tenery from Reuters and then Liz Clark at the Washington Post. Amy, take it away. Hi, thanks so much for uh, for being on the call today. Um, obviously, the story that's dominated the qualifiers right now has been the uh, air conditions, um, you know, due to the fires. I'm curious if you feel like tournament organizers need to be doing more to protect players in addition to a heat policy. Does there need to be an air quality policy? Well, I think there is an air quality policy. They just, you know, I actually did a radio show uh, with my brother, ESPN, uh, the Stephen A. Smith show, and we had Craig Tiley on, the tournament director, runs things down there, and he, he never thought that they'd have to see the day, but that's exactly what's happening. So there is a, I don't know, I, I'm reading what you're reading in the qualifying that someone, you know, some players were coughing and, um, one of them had to stop, and they stopped play for a bit, and that's going to be an ongoing issue, obviously. This is a ter- terrible situation down there, and I, I firmly believe they're worried about the fans and the players, but it would be extremely difficult to envision, at least to me at this point, that they're going to not play it or move the dates. You know, it's just it's that's way too difficult, and... Um, it would appear, but I suppose anything could happen. But at the, at the moment, I think that uh, at least what Craig Tiley told us last week, that the conditions there generally around the tournament when it starts are going to be pretty more favorable than than they had been a few weeks ago. So I'm hopeful that that was just a temporary blip uh, yesterday, but that's clearly an ongoing issue. Yeah, I think that um, the bigger cities probably aren't as um, affected as as much um, with the air. But when I turned on the TV and I saw, I heard that Gene Bouchard did, Bouchard had been coughing and she was complaining. And then I saw, I don't know who the player was that pulled out. And I mean, it's they need to to have um, some sort of measure. Um, not only with the heat, but about the air, and because it is a health issue, and especially when it gets on to three out of five sets, and you're out there for a long time, you know you want to breathe. You want to be able to breathe some clean air, and and I, I think that they really have to keep a close eye on it. Um, it you know, it's it's really devastating what's happening, and I guess I'm thinking of. The, the whole country and the, all the animals and all the, the people that are affected and and you know the term it seems to be such a small sort of thing compared compared to what's happening in the country but um, I would put the players health first for sure and even if they had to play it at a different time you know it doesn't matter it's it's, it's really we're talking about lives 
Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Next up is Liz Clark at the Washington Post, and then Daniel Rossing at CNN Online. Hi, both of you. Thanks for doing this. Um, if we could stick with that same topic at least one more round, I'm wondering whether through the ATP Council or, or the WTA, do, do either of you or both of you have, a, have an opinion on to what extent players' concerns on health-related issues and, and this particular air quality issues are being heeded, and, and is that the appropriate level? In your view, you know, I, I, I have to say I haven't. I probably should have done my homework a little bit more uh, and and um, talked to Nikki Lawler or Steve, and I haven't. But I do know the WTA, the players, they have a huge voice, and I think Great. that if if there was a problem, uh, they would all get together and go to the WTA and say this is unacceptable. And that's what player unions are, are based on and built for. And, and I think um, if that would happen, I mean, that would have to be the thing that would happen to sort of uh, postpone play at this point. It's not going to be one or two players complaining. It's going to have to be the whole WGA getting together and, and saying, and, and it, with saying this, look, it, mm-hmm. it could be, the sun could be out and the air could be great from here on in. <laughs> I'm not sure. sure. I'm sure. broadcasting that the weather's going to be bad because I think, unfortunately, with the winds, I think you have to take it day by day. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, I think the ATP and the W would have to get together and, and uh, voice their opinion if, if there is, um, if, the, if the air does continue to be, to be poor. John, any thoughts on the the muscle of the ATP or, or the megaphone they have on health related issues? Well, as you as you can imagine, I don't think anyone has an easy answer, whether it's the players yeah. or the tournament organizers or the government of Australia. So this is something that's we hasn't been experienced. At the, I mean, listen, they have fires all the time in Australia. That's that's an issue, but this is the worst right. it's ever been, and. There's still a couple more months in their summer, so this is something that's sort of yeah. unprecedented that we're talking about this the first couple questions of a conference call. So that yeah. obviously makes you realize that how, bi- how big an issue it is, but I'm sure people, players included, and I can't speak from having spoken to these players because I haven't, scrambling yeah. to find a, figure out what, what is best for everybody. Yeah. Um, players are obviously extremely excited when they go play a major event, you know, the first one of the year down in Australia, start the year. So everyone's excited and everyone's concerned. So I think everyone is trying to figure out what to do here. Yeah. Thank you both. Okay. Next up is Daniel Rossing at CNN online, and then it'll be Richard Pagliero at tennis. Now. Hi, sorry to be changing tech here with tennis question. Um, I was going to ask you about Yannick Sinner. He's the Italian 18-year-old, youngest player in the top 80 since Rafa Nadal in 2003, winner of the, uh, the, general, the next-gen finals in Milan. Uh, some people have likened him to Roger Federer, and I was just wondering, what, what do you make of his progress in 2019, and how far do you think he could go in his career? What is his potential? Well, his potential is to win numerous Grand Slams. I mean, he's one of the most talented kids I've seen in 10 years. He's only 18, so uh, 
but he's got some pretty good size already. Looks like he has a great head on his shoulders. I mean, there's an unbelievable upside. Uh, of course, uh, he's going to have to deal with the fact that now all of a sudden he's going to be hunted a little himself, and people are going to dig in a little more and not want to lose to an 18-year-old. Uh, so he's got to have that to contend with. But I suspect that within a few years you're going to see him in the top of the top of the game, top ten of the game. You know, give him two, three years for sure. I believe. John, what what is it about his game that makes him that makes you say this this sort of thing? You don't say this about a lot of lot of young players, so he must be kind of special. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, just a combination of things. You know, his head, he seems to mature beyond his years, but he also physically seems you know he's getting where he can. And and I don't know this yet about the best of five, but we'll see. We'll see how he's going to be able to handle that. But he looks to be physically very gifted and. Um, you know, I'd heard about him because uh, I, I know Ricardo Piatti, and um, he's been telling me about him for a couple of years. But I, so I've been, along with many other tennis fans and tennis players, have been watching watching him from a distance and uh, understanding that this guy's you know a rare talent. And uh, so it all maybe came together slightly quicker, or he's moving quicker than some people thought. But uh, he's uh, he's got it all. Uh, and now, of course, the more versatile you are, the better chances you are of going deep and winning and being able to, you know, I don't know how comfortably is it net yet, how good he is uh, as far as taking short balls, etc. You know, this is, remains to be seen, but everything I've seen would lead me to believe that potentially uh, he could go uh, and become one of the best players in the world, for sure. If I can, if I can say, yes. if I can say a couple of things about him, I've watched him play also, and I, I think the composure that he has and the mental, um, the mentality that he has, um, like John said, the maturity that he has, has really propelled him at this point, and he plays like he belongs on the big stage, and he doesn't seem intimidated by pressure. He doesn't have any fear. Uh, you know, he's just, he's just. Um, uh, very attuned to um, what his goals are, and and I I love the demeanor that he has on the court aside from his game. And I saw that. Thank you very much, Roger Feather. Yeah. I saw that with Feather and Nadal. You see that at a young age, you know, with with the current champions, and that's I see a familiarity there. That's really interesting. Thank you very much. All right, next up, Richard Pagliero, Tennis Now, and then it'll be Bruno Montpetit at RDS in Canada. Hi, thank you very much for doing the call. Uh, first, with with Rafa going for the record to Ty Roger, you know, and the big three have dominated. They've won the last 12 slams in a row. They dominated this tournament. What do you see for Novak, Roger, Rafa at this tournament? And then the second question was just following up on all you said at the top of the call. Do you think that someday we'll ever eventually see an indoor Grand Slam? Well, to answer the second part first, uh, if you had been around me at all, uh, I always thought that that would be a tremendous addition to the sport to have one that was indoors. Uh, we didn't want it necessitated by poor air conditions. But uh, when you're playing in my day, we were playing indoors virtually from uh, October through the better part of April into early May, so it made no sense to me to go in and out. But of course, we go from clay to hard and et cetera 
different surfaces and changing balls and conditions. So it's not something that's totally unprecedented, but it seemed like that could be an opportunity that we haven't utilized. Uh, but maybe that that just hasn't happened. I I still think it would be a good thing for the game. And the first part of your question, uh, it's still, I mean, I think obviously these guys, Rogers 38, he'll be 39 this year. Rafa and Novak, if they're healthy, especially in best of five, they're extremely difficult to beat any of these guys. So to me, I would still look at Novak, but you know, he's won seven of them. So, at some point, you'd think, okay, or maybe it's just like he's going to win his, the same way Rafa wins the French. Uh, Medvedev is a guy that, to me, is the best shot ch- chance of winning it right now. I think it's closer than ever, obviously, that uh, these young guys are going to make a breakthrough. But you got to tip your hat to the three guys. Uh, Roger, uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, if he could win one more, he'd be thrilled. Um, how much longer can he play at, you know, almost 38 and a half this year, maybe possibly one more year. So he's thinking, I'm assuming he's thinking his best chances at Wimbledon, but he, he's won Australia two of the last three or four years. It's not like he, he's not comfortable down there. So you still got to put those guys ahead of the other guys. They just know how to get it done. Uh, I feel like, you know, Sissy Pass made that mini breakthrough. He took a step back in the rest of the majors. He's pretty well positioned, although I don't know if he's quite believes, but I think physically he, he could handle the rigors of a slam. Uh, and Medvedev showed a gear that we hadn't seen at the Open. So there's other guys moving ahead and getting there, but uh, it'd be hard not to pick uh, one of the top guys still. Yeah, Chrissy, do you have any thoughts on that? And do you think this is yeah, the yeah, year Serena will do it? Yeah, I'm, um, well, let me. Yeah, I just didn't know if you wanted me to weigh in on that that last one. I think Novak is uh, is looking. You know, I don't know. He's just looking better than anybody right now. And um, but I think that something's brewing. There's like an undercurrent of Medvedev and Tsitsipas. Um, you know, Kyrgios, we haven't talked about him, Stan Wawrinka. Um, I, you know, there's just a lot of talent there. There are teams, there are team. I think, I think it's going to happen. I think this year that they will break through and one of them will win a Grand Slam. Um, I don't know if it's going to be this tournament, but Novak is looking pretty comfortable at the top. Um, as far as Serena, you know, it was really good that she played that tournament because a lot of times she comes into Grand Slams not really prepared and she thinks she can, you know, she figures she can play her way into a tournament. So it was very smart of her, I think, to play that warm-up tournament and she looked good. Um, She still doesn't look 100%, but she doesn't need to be 100%, you know, to win. Um, as, As long as that serve is working and, She's moving well. You know that's that. Those are the two things that have to be working for Serena to win. But um, you know, uh, once again, every year there's there's more and more competition for her. And Barty has certainly come on strong this year. Pliskova, I still am scratching my head as to why she hasn't won a Grand Slam. I think this could be the year that she will win one. Naomi, 
Naomi has looked great too. The, the few warm-up tournaments that she's played, she's she's looked sharp. Um, it's a shame Andreski's not playing, you know, because I think she would have been right up there with everybody else. But I think Serena, she certainly looked hungry, and I think she, you know, she's got a little momentum going into the Australian Open, and it would probably be the least pressure this Grand Slam to win for her. Um, I think every other tournament, the French Open, the clay isn't her best surface. Wimbledon is a lot of pressure. U.S. Open's a lot of pressure. And this one, the first one of the year, it's a happy slam. Um, I think if she just takes a little bit of pressure off herself and she can just relax and play her brand of tennis, um, you know, I think she's got a good shot at winning it. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Is anybody talking? It's gotten very and, quiet. Okay, there we go. And Dave, uh, anytime you're ready for the next question. Again, Dave, uh, just go ahead and let us know when you're ready for the next question. Oh, I'm sorry, I had it on. Uh, I had it on mute there. Yeah, no Joel Tansy now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bruno Montpetit at the RDS in Montreal is next, followed by Joel Tansy at the Japan Times. Thank you very much. Hi, John. Hi, Chris. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, just a quick question on Canadians uh, at the uh, Australian Open. How do you see Felix Auger there and uh, Shapovalov doing? And also a second part, um, she had results at the beginning of the season. Do you think Eugenie Bouchard can come back and maybe climb back in the top 70, top 80, something like that? Well, let me, let me... Well, I'll start with the... Go ahead, Kirsty. You go first. Okay, I'll start with the Jeannie. You can end up with the guys. Um, really, really happy to see Jeannie Bouchard doing well. And she actually um, was practicing at, at uh, my academy for about a month this fall. And I firsthand would just go out there and watch her. And she, she definitely put in the work. And she, she was very focused in her practices. She was playing matches. She was doing work in the gym. And, um, you know, she, the, the, the conversations we had, she really was willing. She wanted to give it another try. And so the results have um, shown that she has worked hard, and I'm really happy to see that. Her shot tolerance is more. She's getting more sh balls into the court, not trying to go for a winner on the second shot. Um, she's moving pretty well. I, I think, you know, having um, the new coach, I think that's really – Um, he's really, really good for her. Um, and, uh, just, you know, really happy to see her doing well. It's, it's a, it's a baby step thing though. It's not all of a sudden she's going to win or get to the semis, the Australian. I think she has to be patient with herself, but, um, the more confidence, I think she's just lost so much confidence over the past few years and the more matches she can win, the more confidence she can get. She's a super confidence player and that's when she could go for her shots to keep them in the court. So um, it's great that she's stuck in the game as long as 
and she had because she just had a lot of misfortunes. And I, for one, and I think a lot of her tennis fans are happy she's she's playing well. Thank you very much. Those two guys you. Uh, yeah, as far as the, the, the two guys you mentioned, uh, uh, kids, actually, uh, what am I saying? Uh, but uh, I think both of them are going to win multiple Grand Slams uh, before it's all said and done. Uh, so the question is, uh, I don't know if they're quite ready quite at this particular moment to win Australia, but I think that uh, Dennis has made some progress. I think the used knee hire was a good one, and obviously Felix had a breakthrough year, and um there's going to be more pressure and expectation, obviously, but I, I think that both of these guys are top ten, top five talents, uh, not that long down the road. So uh, I can't wait to see how they develop. I don't think it's going to happen this actual event, but we will see. Thank you very much, uh, John. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, next up is Joel Tansy at the Japan Times, and then we will uh, spend some time in India, where tennis is huge for ESPN India, and Vikas Pandey is with the largest paper in India, Danik Jagran. So Joel Tansy is next. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for doing the call. Um, I'm curious to hear how you rank the uh, 25 and unders on the women's tour. Uh, I'm thinking Barty, Osaka, Bencic, uh, some young Americans. Um, how do you rank them at this tournament and, and going forward in the next few years? Um, Barty, Barty has, of, of all the players, she surprised me the most um, because I always knew she had the all-court game. Um, but I think that turning point in her career came at the French Open when she was down set and three love against um, Amanda Anasimova. And she pulled it out mentally. I think she turned the corner and I think she believes now that she can win anything. Uh, so, you know, Barty, you'd have to put her right up there. Um, Osaka, you know, again, I love the way she's, she plays. And I think when I watched her, these pre, I watched her practice, not practice, I watched her in the matches um, that she played the lead up tournaments She's still moving really well. That's the one area that she's really improved, her moving. Um, she's still hitting the ball well. I, I, I think she could definitely win uh, this tournament or win any Grand Slam this year. Um, I'm a little worried about Andrescu because of the injury situation. Um, she just seems to be getting a lot of injuries, and every year she's out for three months or four months or whatever, and I... I you know, I think she's such an athletic player, and she just leaves it all out there, and she just puts her whole throws her whole body into every shot, and uh, therefore, I think that's paying the price a little bit with her injuries. But boy, if she's healthy, she's she's really she's dangerous. Um, who else are we talking about? Kennan. Kennan's looking good. Um, a little disappointed in Sloane Stevens. I I don't know. Uh, what's up there, but um, she can just turn the switch. You know, she can she can lose to anybody in the top 100, but she can also beat anybody in the top 10. So um, we'd like to see her get her ba- her game back. And then you've got Jen Brady, who's playing really well, uh, Danielle Collins. I mean, there's, there's a lot of players. Look at Keys. You'd have to say Madison Keys, the way she played 
has to be a dark horse at the Australian Open. You know, you have to give her a little thumbs up for the way she played. And uh, she's going to be dangerous in the draw. Yastrzemska, there's a lot of players, you know. There's just a lot of young players that that uh, are up and coming that um, What about really break in. Coco and uh, Anisimova? How about them? Can they make runs uh, at this event? Well, I said, like, you know, Amanda, um, I think it's going to take Amanda a little more time to, uh, you know, she really hasn't played that much. She, she looked impressive, but then against Serena, she, she didn't look impressive at all. You know, she she wasn't moving well, and so I I think she has a future, no doubt about it, but I think she needs some more um, time competition, some more time on the court, and with what she's gone through, I think, you know, that, that that's going to take a little bit of time for her to be 100% focused. Um, and Coco Goff goes without saying, she's great. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't think she's going to win a Grand Slam needs to get their head examined. I think, you know, again, she's, she's, uh, she's got it all, and um, she's got the power, and she's, she moves so beautifully, and she's going to cause some upsets for sure this tournament, the Australian Open, I predict. From that large group, who do you think uh, will end up with the, having the, you know, the best career? The best career or the best, the best career, like at the end of their career? Yeah. Jeez. Most slams are uh, most weeks at number one. Um... Good question. I'm looking at Naomi Osaka's name right here. Maybe Osaka. I, I think Naomi. But I don't know. I mean, you, that that is a that's a leading question. I mean, some of these you could get married, have kids, you get burned out. Um, you know, that's that's a tough question. But um, I think Naomi. As far as she hasn't been, she's been pretty injury-free, and she's, she's uh, I think, been pretty hungry because she, she, she didn't come from, you know, I don't say she came from nothing, but, I mean, I think it, she, um, you know, every victory means a lot to her, and I think she's very inspired to play for, you know, for a long period of time. Thanks very much. All right, Joel. Uh, next up is Vika Sandy at the uh, uh, Dainik Jagran, the largest paper in India, and then it'll be Rohan Alvarez at the Times of India, the largest English paper in India. Vikas. Yeah, hi, John. Hello. <laughs> hi. Uh, yeah, hi, John. This is uh, Vikas Mande. Uh, Actually, you consider one one of the aggressive on-court tennis players uh, during your time. Nowadays, young birds like Medvedev and Tsitsipas are showing some aggressive temperament. Do you think this is good for the game? You're asking the wrong person. Why would I think that's bad for the game? You know, to show emotion where you're most. See, I, that, I I made my career out of that, so I think you you know the answer to that before you even asked. Yep. 
I'm I'm going to interject. I'm going to just say something right now. I was talking to somebody the other day about social media. We're talking about how Roger Nadal Djokovic, the top three, you know, how how big they are. And I I said to somebody, I said, you know, with social media and the, the difference in the press nowadays, I said, they're in, in my era, they're Neil Warren, John McEnroe, and Jimmy Connors. And those three would have been much bigger than these three because of personality and because of charisma and because of, yeah, at times, tempers. But um, they would have been rock stars and rock idols in, in this day and age. And, you know, the sport has gotten so gentlemanly and whether that's good or bad. I mean, I was, I was like that. So, but I love, um, you know, I just, I love both. I love a little excitement. I love charisma. Um, uh, and the other side, I love, I appreciate focus and concentration also, but, um, you've got to have a little bit of everything to make the sport entertaining or else people will not be watching it. But I think what Mepper uh, did Chris, the uh, one, was one of the, one of the gutsiest things that I've seen uh, when he was embracing, you know, keep booing me and that type of stuff. That took a lot of a lot of cojones, as they say. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, one question for you. Uh, actually, uh, you dominated singles and doubles for several years, but nowadays we have seen that are players who play in singles don't prefer to play in doubles. Do you think fitness is the main reason for this? I'm sorry. I, I heard you say that a lot of singles players don't play doubles. What was the, what was the question? Do I think what? Do I think there's yeah, a reason You dominated this? singles and doubles. Yeah, you played uh, uh, wow. singles and doubles, and you have a several gotcha. uh, success on both occasions. But nowadays, gotcha. we have seen the uh, single player who plays in singles don't prefer to play in doubles. Do you think fitness is the main reason for this? Yeah, I think. Well, I think that there's so much depth in the women's game, and from the first match on, you're getting three set matches. Um, and you're you're really taxing your body, and and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of top players don't play um, doubles. And but you're right. In our day, and John John did the same thing. In our day with John, right? We played doubles, mixed, and singles at, at Wimbledon. You know, and you can well, play the mix with Stacy and one, one, once or twice mixed. I got yeah yeah. No, I won't get carried away there. But you, well, you, you number one in the world many years in doubles, and, and um, I played doubles as well. I felt like, um, you know, I hate to, nothing against my um, era, but in the, until the quarterfinals, I had easy matches because there wasn't, again, there wasn't the depth in women's tennis. So I want, instead of practicing, I would play doubles also, and I'd get those extra matches in get practice on my serve and doubles, you know, maybe had a, no, I don't know if it was a little more important, but it was, it was, it was definitely fun um, back in those days. And it was definitely more relaxed back in those days. So, you know, now I think it's just the, the single, the top singles players really want to save themselves. Although lately I've seen some doubles being played. 
Um, well, you know, Serena and Wozniacki played, um, Bencic plays, um, I don't know, Barty, does Barty, Barty play? But yeah, Barty's been playing doubles. So, I mean, I would say half of the, half of the top women still do play doubles. And, um, you know, I think it just, it wants, they want to sharpen up their game. Yep. Thank you, John. Thank you, Chris. Okay, next up we go to uh, Rohan Alvarez at the Times of India, and then it'll be Kaizad Adijania from The Mint, the Wall Street Journal of India. Rohan. Yeah. Hi, John. Hi, Chris. Yeah. Uh, so my, my question is, uh, Nadal is uh, currently world number one, but uh, the recent evidence suggests he clearly seems to have a hardcore problem against his two biggest rivals, uh, Federer and Djokovic. He hasn't beaten either of them on a hard court since January 2014, when I think he beat Federer in the Australian Open semifinals. He's lost nine straight times on uh, hard courts against Djokovic, with each of those losses coming in straight sets. And I think against Federer as well, his last three meetings on hard court, he's lost them in straight sets. Now, we know he's someone who doesn't like making drastic changes when, when things aren't going his way. But... If either of you were on his coaching, on his coaching staff, I mean, what would your advice to him be? Well, I think he's getting great advice. He's tried to shorten points. He's tried to be more explosive. He's tried to get a little more on his serve. He's uh, tried to move forward more. He's changed his position when he returns, mixes that up. So he's doing everything he possibly can. I think adding Moya was a great addition. It's, it's helped uh, him hear something different than his uncle, even though his uncle did a great job. And um, he's doing absolutely everything he can. I mean, Djokovic is arguably mm-hmm. the greatest hardcore player in the history of tennis. Uh, or You're looking at, the to me, the three best players that ever played with Rafa and Roger. So uh, the, the surface suits him just the way here. If Nadal plays Novak on clay, it, it heavily favors uh, Rafa, or certainly favors him. Maybe not as dominating as uh, the way it's been recently, but uh, I think you saw that when they both, you know, when they bring their A games uh, on hard courts, especially last year. I don't see uh, Rafa beating beating Novak if Novak's playing his best. I don't see anyone beating Novak if uh, he plays to that even close to that level. So. If he's in the right space, uh, mentally, physically, uh, he's clearly the, heavy, the the big favorite to win this. And um, but I do think that Rafa is trying to do everything he can. It's just it's a lot more difficult than it, <laughs> it's extremely difficult to be able to succeed against a guy who has the answers to everything you're trying to do. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with John. I, I don't think it's anything that Rafa hasn't tried. I think he's tried everything, and he's throwing the kitchen sink at, at uh, Djokovic, and it's still not working. And, and you have to admire him for a few years back. He did. It was obvious he shortened his swing, and it was obvious um, that he was coming into the net more. And, um, you know, I just think his the his instinct is to stay back in the baseline to wind up, have that big swing, and to just crush the ball and spin. And you can't do that on a fast court uh, like a hard court. And plus the fact that that uh, Novak hits, Novak doesn't hit with a lot of um, topspin. I mean, he hits the ball pretty flat um, 
and I, and that's just going to rush him even more. So kudos to Nadal for for making those adjustments and tweaking everything in his game. But Novak's just a machine. You know, he's just a machine out there. And it's um, um, and saying that, I think he's has he lost like the last nine matches to Novak. Is that true? Did I read that? That's right. Yeah. Nine- Nineteen six, seems like so. Yeah, and um, and I'm sure that Novak is still trying to figure out how to beat him on clay. So, it, it, like John said, it's 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 a matter of you know one player is a genius on one surface, and the other player is a genius on another surface. All right. Thank you both. Appreciate your your time and input. Yeah. All right, next up we go to Kayazad Adejanya from the Mint, and then it'll be Alora Sen from the Telegraph. Hi, John. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having us over. Um, I have a couple of questions. Uh, John, you, you all uh, threw light upon it a little bit before, but I just, uh, if you can indulge me a little bit more on this particular question. Uh, one is that I wanted to ask you all, why is it so difficult for the gen next to the men's store to kind of, uh, you know, break uh, through in the Grand Slams. I mean, we've, we've had uh, Zverev, we've had Tsitsipas uh, having success elsewhere, but somewhere in Grand Slams, uh, somehow they fall short. So why is it that they haven't yet been able to break through at the Grand Slams? And uh, question number two is about Kim Kleisters. Uh, I know that she's not going to be playing at the Australian Open, but she's expected to play... Uh, at Monterey, and uh, then we'll see how far she goes. But what are your chances? What, how, is, how is the game looking? How, is, um, how are her prospects looking uh, when she comes back again on the women's tour? Okay, Chris, do you want to start that, or do you want me to? You know, I'll just I'll just comment on, on camera. I... I, John actually would be more of a um, person to ask about that because he's played quite a few, I think, mixed doubles exhibitions with her, whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know how she's playing. I don't know what her training is. I know there was a setback. Um, I feel like we won't know anything really until, and, and even she won't know anything until playing a few tournaments and really seeing, hitting the ball against these women um, because, you know, the standard is a little bit different um, from when she left. But, again, once a champion, always a champion. And she hits, she hits a great ball. Um, and she, you know, so I, I think we have to wait and see. Uh, I wouldn't put a pastor to, to, you know, get back into the swing of things and really challenge the top 10, 20 players. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I just... We have to just wait and see. And I'm John. Uh, that first. Question. I have not seen Kim since the Open, um, and and obviously uh, she's as Chrissy said, she hits a great ball. But the, you know, she had a setback. She got hurt while training. You know, she's had three kids. Yeah. It's not easy to retire twice and come back. I think it was seven, eight years ago, or that she retired for the second time. So this is a very tall order. Uh, she's one of the best ball strikers, so I and she's everyone loves her, including myself. So I'm pulling for her to do well and be happy doing what she's doing. But she's going to have to 
towed around or be away from her kids, and that's not going to be easy. It's, you know, mentally, it's so it's a combination that's extremely difficult. And as far as the first part of your question, um, those guys uh, at, at this point, they're not as good as those other guys. That's the biggest reason. They're not as versatile. They don't have as much overall talent. They haven't been in those positions as often. So you're asking to do something that maybe uh, you saw Sissy Pass. He had a, a great run where Roger didn't have one of his great days and beat him. But then he got overwhelmed in the semis, and he's had he struggled since. And uh, Zverev has you know been forced to uh, put in too much effort, and it's worn him down even to get to the later rounds. He's only been in a couple of Grand Slam quarters, never been in the semis. So they're trying to figure out ways to improve their games, but maybe they just expected it would happen, and it's not that simple. These these guys have great teams. They leave no stone unturned, and they are tougher to beat in best of five than they are best of three. So they have to continue to accept that they need to keep adding these younger players, adding to their game, doing something different. That's why Medvedev has had the success, because he's – thrown a curveball at these top guys that they weren't anticipating, almost like he was going back to the 12 or 14 and unders and pushing the ball. You know, no one expected to see that from him. And it's, uh, it's been a very effective tool mentally to me. So they're getting closer, but uh, well, certainly Sissy Pass, I mean, Zverev, um, he's trying to, he wants to win majors. They're, so they want to prove themselves, but they, they got to keep working at it, adding more to their game. And I think, if I can just say, I think that one advantage the top three have is they've done this for so long is that their match tolerance is, you know, much better than the younger players. They can, they can, they can play three, four big matches with, with a lot of pressure and sustain a high level of my room service. Um, they can sustain a high level of play longer than these other ones and I, the other kids. And I think that's because, you know, that's experience and that's maturity and that's having done it year in and year out. And they play a match and they know how to turn it off and turn it on, I think, better than the younger players. And, um, yeah, that, that I think is a big difference also. Had three people I'm looking at the climate change uh, this year. Do you think that uh, are we going to be seeing uh, best of three sets this year? Any chance? I mean, I know you've spoken about an indoor Grand Slam. And, John, no. by the way, I love but that idea about an indoor Grand Slam. I love that idea. Thank you. you yeah, I wish they'd done it when I played. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't think they're going to change best of five right now. I think that uh, they are looking for ways to shorten some matches. That's why they brought a tiebreaker in in the in the three of the four majors. Why the French hasn't done it, I don't know. Maybe just to be different. But to me, they should all be six all uh, at the mm-hmm. latest. Uh, but that's you know that's a topic for another day. But the bottom line is right now. Uh, I can't imagine that they would change I, change that. I, I, I guess you're referring to because of the conditions um, yes, uh, with yes, the, yes. the fires. But um, I, 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 I don't see that happening where it changed from best of three. Although, I mean, there was the first year or two I played on the circuit uh, where a couple of the majors, like the Open, was best of three to the third or fourth round. And um, 
So it has happened in the past. Huh. I guess that's something that'd be worth thinking about, but it hasn't taken place in 40 years. John, let me ask you a question. When you were number one, were you having easy matches like the first week? Were you being pressed that much? Uh, not not regularly, but, you know, maybe at, at, at the French, uh, I didn't have that success. I didn't play, you know, I played 10 Frenches and right. five Australians, so out of 15 years. So um, right. uh, I can't give a great, but I think that, yes, I do think that, I think what you're inferring is that the depth is, is greater. There's more of a chance, uh, although they've changed the rules, like in my day, there's only 16 seeds, so now there's 32, so there may be l- less of an opportunity for an early upset because mm-hmm. there's players outside the top 32, they're le- even less likely to, to pull off that upset. Right. So, I, guess uh, when, I guess That's when part I, of why I they like it. the best of five, the, the top guys. They don't yeah. want you know, best of three because that increases their chances of something bad happening. Exactly, exactly. But, I, but I, I'm just what I'm referring to also is the more – you know, if, if the depth gets even deeper and the Djokovic and the, the Dolls are going four and five sets in the early rounds, then it might be worth a discussion that they would bring up, like, God, I'm, I'm dead by the end of the first week, you know? So, I don't know. Sure, Roger wouldn't, Mark. Oh, I, actually, it'd be an interesting yeah. question to ask Roger, at 38, if he believes the first week should be best of three. Uh, that would, I'd, I'd be interested to hear his answer. At this point in his career. All right, we'll move on now to Alora Sen at the Telegraph and then Eli Bube at ESPN India. Uh, Hello, John and uh, Chris. Uh, My first question to John is uh, continuing on the same vein. How long do you see this top three dominate, and what exactly is the next-gen players lacking? I mean, from your time to now, uh, have you ever seen three three players dominate so for so long, and the rest of the gap between them and the next lot is so huge? What is your view on that? Well, I mean, I can't speak for way, way back. You know, in the fifth. 30s, 40s, 50s, where people are dominating, but it does feel like these three have dominated like no other trio of players ever in the men's game. Uh, I know that Chrissy and Martina were dominating the women's, but this seems absolutely crazy that they've been able to keep this up. So, I, I mean, again, I'd have to, you know, Rod Laver was my idol. Sampras was, you know, a great fast court player, one of the greats ever, but these three could be the three greatest ever. So, you know, this is a special time that we got to sort of enjoy it while it's, it's still there. Um, and these other guys, uh, if you look at them in player by player, they don't have the overall skills that these top players have right now. It's as simple as that. You know, they're in, in any way, shape, or form, whether it's physical or mental. So this is a very, you know, it's a big hump mountain to overcome for these guys. But, you know, as far as what they need to do, if you, it would obviously depend on each individual specifically. Uh, you could point to a number of different yeah. things. But the bottom line is the more they have are able to add to the game, the more things they can do to throw someone off or make them feel uncomfortable, the better. 
So they have to keep diversifying and adding on to what they already have and not be satisfied with like what they have there. They, I think it's been proven because they just haven't been able to break through. So I'm sure anyone that's around right. these young kids is telling them, look, you know, don't force it, but you just need to keep trying to be, uh, have as many shots in the, in, as, as you possibly can at your disposal. Right, right. And uh, Chris, I would uh, want to ask you, uh, you've spoken about Serena's chances, but uh, do you really feel that she, after her comeback, she's really up there to actually win another Grand Slam? And who would be, uh, in your view, the next best uh, talent coming up? Well, she got to the finals of the four of them in the last, I mean, she's, Right, yeah, she can win a Grand Slam. She's done better in Grand Slams than any other player, you know, when you look at the last two years. Um, So I I think that, and, and, you know, people kind of get mad at me when I say this because it's inferring that she doesn't have much else, but she she has the greatest serve (laughs) that we've ever seen, and that serve wins more games for her than other serves win for other women. Um, It's the best. It's the hardest. It's the most consistent. She, her, you know, she just—it's it, so tough to break Serena serve, and I think that is the advantage right. that she has. Even though other players have great serves, they're not as good as Serena's, and she follows it up right. again with um, really strong ground strokes. And and she is on a mission. She's still on a mission. She wants. She's 23. She wants to break. Margaret Quartz, and you know what? Maybe at the Australian, she'll want to break it even more because Margaret's Australian. Who knows? But um, I think right. that that right. really gives her uh, a little bit more of a uh, incentive, knowing that she um, can set another record and 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 even break it. Um, so yes, I, I do think mm-hmm. um, she. Now, I, I on the other hand, there are some darn good players out there that I have a lot of respect for, and. The way that Osaka, Barty, Pushkova, you know, Halep, I, I, I just, there's not one or two threats to Serena. There's probably about eight threats, you know, eight players that, that okay. can do some damage and, you know, that can compete against her. And one more thing is I always have this, I always felt this way. The older you get, I think the more bad days yeah. you may have. Days when you feel burnt out, days when okay. you don't want to get out of bed, days when you don't have that incentive, yeah. and you don't want to have that day during a Grand Slam, but sometimes you can't help it. Right, right. So, you know, that's what she has to fear. And just, uh, another question away from the Australian Open, I just wanted to ask, uh, I don't know if you're aware that Leander Pace has announced that 2020 will be his farewell tour. Now, uh, normally players don't, uh, tennis players do not really announce a farewell tour, but Leander has said she, he wants to go, I mean, pick a few tournaments and play for his fans, and this will be his final year. Uh, what would you say to that? I'm sorry, who are you saying? Federer? Le- Leander Pace, India's Leander Pace. Oh, Leander Pace. He wants yeah. to pick a few tournaments to play? Did you say? He wants uh, the 2020 to be his farewell year. Hasn't he, hasn't he been doing that for about 10 years? 
He's on that doubles, right? <laughs> the guy's 40. He's, like, he's almost 50 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. Right. Jesus Christ. Right. You know right. what? I, whatever right. Leander is fine with me. Whatever he wants is fine with me. He's proven himself. <laughs> he's given back to the game. Okay. He's okay. Thank everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We will wrap things up with Eli Dubey from ESPN India. Boy, India is a really oh, thank you. Actually, I, I think all the questions. <clears throat> thank you, but I think all oh, the questions have already been covered here. Oh. Oh. Already covered? Perfect. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, let me sneak one in for somebody who uh, wasn't going to be able to join us. Uh, Chrissy, from when you look at Serena uh, on the court, you see a uh, very uh, dialed-in competitor. On social media, you see a doting mom and a friend who's, uh, you know, having a good time. Which is the Serena you know? Maybe a little of both? Serena has many personalities. She is not one personality. She has a lot of sides to her. Um, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. And uh, I mean, she she's has... a well, she's a she's a well-rounded you know she's a well-rounded person. She she doesn't you can't stick her in a box. You know she's she's also creative. She's got a fashion line. Like you said, she's a mom. She's a wife. She's um uh you know she's she's a leader in many causes. She's a great tennis player. So. I think that the world is her oyster at this point, and she's pretty good at everything she tries to do. All right. And you you said she might like to get her 24th in Australia. Uh, Do you think it's on her mind that they're celebrating Margaret Court's 50th anniversary of a Grand Slam uh, this year? No. No, I don't think she thinks. I I think she's pretty focused on her tennis, and she doesn't really... That doesn't really concern her, and and I didn't mean anything personal against Margaret Court that she'd want to win. I just I, I meant you know it's I think that it would give her some more motivation, but also it is the Happy Slam and, and it's the most relaxed one. And I think in her past when she's lost in the finals of these majors, it's been according to her. I think she's felt the pressure a lot, so maybe this tournament would be different. All right, I think that'll do it. I thank everybody for their time and hope you're tuning in uh, to the uh, qualifying on ESPN Plus this week and then the main two draw starts uh, Sunday night on ESPN2. So, uh, when does when does, what, what date does the qualifying start on ESPN? Uh, it's on ESPN Plus. It's already started. It starts at 6, starts at six o'clock. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you, John. No. And thank okay. you, everybody. Bye, John. See okay. you over there. Bye-bye. Thank you. That does conclude today's conference. We do thank you for your participation. Have a wonderful day.